Welcome back to Frightening Frauen with Tyler and Lee. I'm sorry for that intermission because we are two chatty Cathy's, but here's the other half for you. Enjoy. But okay, so we were at, she was doing the acting in the big screen for that first yeah. big debut and People were like, whoa, whoa, she's so a giant pretty train. <laughs> yeah, she's a giant train. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so then I went on to write a bunch of her future Hollywood um, things that went on. Um, she was in a lot of movies, so but she was very typecast as the glamorous seductress of exotic origin. They loved making her like Armenian even though she wasn't, <laughs> um, they made her, what were some of her other roles? Um, let's see. She did. So her second film was to be take this woman co-starring Spencer Tracy under the director of regular Dietrich collaborators, Josef von Sternberg. Um, <laughs> but he was fired during the shoot replaced by Frank Borzage. The <laughs> film was put on hold and Lamar was put into Lady of the Tropics, where she played a mixed race seductress in um, Saigon um, opposite Robert Taylor. She turned to take the woman reshot by Von Dyke um, and the film flopped. <laughs> seemed like way too many hands were in that kitchen but um but then she went on to another movie called boomtown um with clark gable and it made over five million dollars that's a lot of that's a lot of money that's a lot of money back then like that's a lot of money now but (laughs) but that's a lot of money back then oh yeah um and then she went on to star in a comedy and then she was in another hit movie um she was then teamed with james stewart in come live with me in 1941 playing a um viennese refugee and then she played a showgirl in another movie um with judy garland and um so Lamar was top billed with H.M. Pulham um, through the film uh, film's protagonist role played by Robert Young. She made a third film with Tracy, Tortilla Flat, in 1942. Tortilla. It was successful at the box office, as was Crossroads in 1942. Um, and then <laughs> Lamar played the exotic Arab seductress, what in white cargo in 1942 (laughs) that name with with the fact they probably just put her in heavy eyeliner to make her look like i bet so i bet so oh my gosh um so white cargo contained arguably her most memorable film quote delivered with um provocative invitation I am Tondaleo. I make Tiffin for you. That's the line. <laughs> What's Tiffin? I don't know. <laughs> um, 
um, which typifies many of Lamar's roles, which emphasized her beauty and sensuality while giving her relatively few lines. <laughs> the lack of acting challenges bored Lamar. She reportedly took up inventing to relieve her boredom which i will get to in a little bit because it was about this time that she started inventing um she was reunited with powell in a comedy the heavenly body which was probably hers um in 1944 then was borrowed by warner brothers for the conspirators in 1944 as well um this was an attempt to repeat the success of casablanca which was film or which was released in 1943 i love casablanca that's a great movie. And RKO borrowed her for... I love how they just borrow her. <laughs> <laughs> like, these places are probably paying that guy that's paying her $500 a week, like $1,000 yeah. a week just to borrow her, and he's doing no work. <laughs> yep. Um, so she played um, in Her Highness and the Bellboy. <laughs> these sound like bad porno names. <laughs> they do. um she was playing a princess who falls in love with a new yorker um it was i wonder where she was the princess of (laughs) um but would be the last film she made under the mgm contract her off-screen life and personality during those years was quite different from her screen image she spent much of her time feeling lonely and homesick she might um swim at her agent's pool but shunned the beaches and staring crowds she didn't want to be around people that just wanted to be around her just to see her and get her autograph and touch her she wanted she missed having real relationships with people and she felt like the people she worked with only wanted to use her for roles and to make money off of her and her fans were using her just to be close to someone famous so she felt really 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 lonely um uh, she wondered why anyone would want to to live like this and why she wanted to live like this Um, writer howard sharp interviewed her and gave her gave his impression hetty was the most incredible personal personification she knows the peculiarity um european art of being a woman she knows what men want in a beautiful woman what attracts them and she forces herself to be these things she has magnetism with warmth something that neither dietrich or garbo has managed to achieve which is sad it's like she's just being what she thinks everyone wants her to be and and she's not i don't even think she probably knew who she was um so of all the european um immigrants um, who escaped nazi germany and nazi austria she was one of the very few who succeeded in moving to another culture and becoming a full-fledged star herself there were so very few who could make the transition linguistically and culturally she really was a resourceful human being i think because of her father's strong influence on her as a child And that was written by author Richard Rhodes, describing her assimilation into American culture. And sadly, looking over the time period, it's very true because a lot, and I think that's probably why they cast her as a non-Jewish woman in a lot of the roles was because Jewish people were seen as less than in the time period in a lot of the world. And they wanted her to 
they wanted to be able to sell movies and they wanted to be able to sell them to all people and not just people who were against Nazis. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that, and like, that kind of makes sense, but, um, Lamar wanted to, so during the war time, so this is during world war two, Lamar wanted to join the national inventors council, but was reportedly told by NIC member, Charles Kettering, um, the, and others that she could better help the war efforts by using her celebrity status to sell war bonds, which is not what she wanted to do. Did she go to Super- school? Um, she had gone to school in uh, Vienna, so it didn't say what degree she had, but at the time, I don't think you really needed a degree for a lot of like the engineering type jobs that was more for like business or medical um, professionals. So she more just uh, researched on herself and under other people. Um, yeah, she participated in war bond selling campaigns with sailor with a sailor named Eddie Rhodes. Rhodes was in the crowd at each of Lamar's appearances, and she would call him up on stage. She would briefly flirt with him before asking the audience if she should give him a kiss. The crowd would say yes, to which Hetty would reply that she would if enough people bought war bonds. <laughs> <laughs> Um, after enough bonds were purchased, she would kiss Rhodes and he would head back into the audience. <laughs> and then they would head off to the next <laughs> war bond rally. What happened to the, like, did the husband ever come after her or did he just no. kind of be like, all right, then? I think she was too big for him to come after her. Um, They, it never, I don't know if it actually says they ever got and I think they did get divorced because she remarries. So um, I'm glad the two of them, I don't think, had kids together because it never mentions them. But yeah, it never says that he came after her. And she did flee to another country. So <laughs> that yeah. could be part of it, too. And he may not have wanted to fight for her considering she was Jewish. And right after that time, we went into World War II. Yeah. So it might have. Um, There's yeah, definitely like definitely enough of an a uh issue there that it could have hurt him yeah and it was two years after she left world war ii started and i'm sure before world war ii started he had already been working with the nazis and selling them stuff and realizing jewish people were hated yeah um, they liked him because he sold them weapons even though (laughs) he's technically half jewish (laughs) but we won't say that because his mother is not jewish so um after so she um this is about her becoming a producer um so after leaving mgm in 1945 lamar formed a product production company with jack chertok um and uh made the thriller the strange woman in 1946 (laughs) it went over budget and may only made minor profits (laughs) she um Let's see, she and Chertok um, then made Dishonorable Lady in 1947, another thriller starring Lamar, which also went over budget, but was not a commercial success. She tried um, a comedy with Robert Cummings, Let's Live a Little, in 1948, um, and that seemed to do okay. Um, 
but she, that wasn't where her heart was. Like she wanted to be a producer just to not treat people like crap. Um, it was more for that than to make money. Cause she was already pretty wealthy. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, now let's get into her life as an inventor, because this is what really fascinated me about her. Um, which she simultaneously dove into while acting and producing films. Although Lamar had no formal training and was primarily self-taught, she tinkered in her spare time on various hobbies and ideas, which included an improved um, traffic stoplight and a tablet that would dissolve in water to create a flavored carbonated drink. Pretty cool. Um, Some of her patents were in here and I saved it because I wanted to see if I could read it, but it's too blurry. Um, That was her. Oh yeah. So she did have a patent for her secret communication system during world war II. Lamar read that radio controlled torpedoes had been proposed. However, an enemy might be able to jam such a torpedoes guidance system and set it off course. When discussing this with her friend and composer and pianist, George Antheil, (laughs) I hate names, I hate names, Um, the idea was raised that a frequency hopping signal might prevent the torpedo's radio guidance system from being tracked or jammed. Antheil succeeded by synchronizing a uh, miniaturized player piano mechanism with radio signals pretty cool um (laughs) antheil sketched out the idea for the frequency hopping system which was to use a perforated paper tape with actuated pneumatic controls as um was already used in player pianos which i have one of those same player pianos (laughs) in my parlor (laughs) (laughs) that's cool they used like the paper with the little holes to make music basically to stop the torpedoes from being stopped (laughs) yeah interesting yeah yeah antheil was introduced to samuel stewart um mac i hate (laughs) names (laughs) um a professor of radio electrical engineering um whom lamar then employed for a year to actually implement the idea Lamar hired the Los Angeles legal firm of Lion and Lion. Can you just call it the Lions? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> um, to Rawr. search for prior knowledge and craft the application for the patents, which was granted as U.S. Patent 2292387. In case you want to look that up. On <laughs> August 11th, 1942, under her married name, Heidi Keisler Markey. Um, which I think I talked about that later. Um, it has been reported in many online publications that Antheil and Lamar's work helped with the creation of Wi-Fi, Bluetooth, and GPS, as well as cell phones. However, their work was never formally adopted, um, uh, or she was never formally recognized for the work for those things. But so they found, so while researching, they found different wavelengths for different things, including like a GPS system that could, um, collect the wavelengths from the GPS, 
um, to be able to use it in a smaller device and not just rely solely on um, whether or not you can see the satellites. It's pretty cool. And then also like walkie talkies and like radio signals, as well as being able to use a signal from one device to another device. Um, So that's how we've been able to implement that and further it into creating how Wi-Fi works and cell phones and cell phone service. It's pretty cool. (laughs) It's cool. It's funny because I knew about her from like the stuff that she worked on. Not so much like I knew that she was an actress, but I didn't like know that much about her career. I just knew about her inventions and stuff like that. Like, yeah, it's pretty awesome. Uh, neither the U.S. Navy nor that of any other nation were using radio-controlled torpedoes at the time, and electromechanical uh, devices were soon to be made obsolete by purely electronic controls. Furthermore, outside of incorporating the use of a miniaturized clockwork piano, their ideas on frequency hopping were not completely new. As early as 1899, some macaroni, his last name's macaroni. (laughs) (laughs) I want that last name. (laughs) Um, Had experimented with frequency selective reception in an attempt to minimize radio interference. Um, The earliest mentions of frequency hopping in open literature, literature are the U.S. patent 725605 awarded to Nikola Tesla on March 17th, 1903. That doesn't surprise me. It was Tesla, but yeah. Um, so, uh, let's see, it goes on to other inventors. So frequency hopping spread, um, spectrum FHSS is not actually used by Wi-Fi or cell phones. They use DSSS, although a variation on the technology known as adaptive frequency hopping is employed by Bluetooth. So what she was doing is employed by Bluetooth and then aspects of it were changed um, to be able to make Wi-Fi, GPS, and cell phone service um, more easily accessible. Um, So yeah, she, uh, let's see. Yeah, her autobiography has a lot of things in it about her her uh, works as well as how she was treated and things, um, which I want to read her full autobiography because sounds fascinating. But yeah. this, she obviously got kind of bored. <laughs> okay, so she, she got married um, and in um, her and her husband, Howard Lee, um developed the villa lamar ski resort in aspen colorado which is called something (laughs) else now i looked it up because i wanted to go um but she was got kind of bored in her later years and in 1966 lamar was arrested in los angeles for shoplifting (laughs) (laughs) she did not need to by the way she had money (laughs) like what was she shoplifting um the charges were eventually dropped in 1991 she was arrested on the same charges in Florida for get what she was stealing. Okay. $21 and 48 cents worth of laxatives and eye drops. <laughs> she pled no contest to avoid court appearances and the charges were dropped in return for her promising to refrain from breaking any laws in the next year. 
<laughs> so I thought I added that in because I thought it was kind of funny. It is funny. Um, <laughs> it sounds like, uh, like, like maybe maybe she was ADHD and she was doing some dopamine chasing when she couldn't find her find an outlet anymore. I kind of was thinking the same thing when I read that because of all the things she was doing at simultaneously really made me think that she probably had some sort of neurodivergence where she was dopamine seeking because she always needed something else, something else, something else. Yeah. And she was very bored when she was stuck in a castle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so, okay. So let's go back to the 1970s. Um, was a decade of increasing seclusion for Lamar. She was offered several scripts, television commercials, and stage projects, but none piqued her interest. In 1974, she fled. Uh, she filed a $10 million lawsuit against Warner Brothers, claiming um, that the running parody of her name, Headley Lamar, in the Mel Brooks comedy Blazing Saddles, infringed her right to privacy. Brooks said she was flattered, the studio settled out of court. Um, uh, Brooks said he was flattered. The studio <laughs> settled out of court for an undisclosed nom- nominal sum and an apology to Lamar for almost using her name. That's how they <laughs> quoted it. We're sorry we almost used your name. <laughs> um, but he said Lamar never got the joke. <laughs> Okay, he's kind of funny, too. Um, With her eyesight failing, Lamar retreated from public life and settled in Miami Beach, Florida in 1981. And I think that's why she got bored. Um, um, Let's see. Oh, yeah. So her contribution to the motion picture industry, Lamar um, has a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. And adjacent to Vine Street, where the walk is centered. I want to go there. I haven't been to the Hollywood, like, Walk of Fame since I was, like, in middle school. And I'd like to go because I feel like I'd appreciate it more now. (laughs) Back then, I'm like, these are just people's feet and hands. (laughs) (laughs) That's kind of when I went. I I was like, eh, I don't know. I'm not. Maybe, like, learning about different people, like, if they... You know, but for the most part, I kind of don't care about celebrities. It's they have to do something besides just be famous, you know. That's true. Yeah, there's certain people. I don't want to see all of them. There's certain people I'd want to see. Like Dolly Parton's little feet. (laughs) Tiny little human. Oh, she's so small. Um Let's see. So Lamar um, became estranged from her older son, James Lamar Loader. It doesn't say in here how many times she got married, but she has a lot of different last names. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) uh, When he was 12 years old, their relationship ended abruptly. How does it when you're 12 years old? I don't understand that, but. And he moved in with another family. Um, They did not speak again for almost 50 years. Lamar left James Loader out of her will, and he sued for control of the $3.3 million estate left by Lamar in 2000 when she passed away. He eventually settled for $50,000. Wow. Hetty Lamar died in Castleberry, Florida on January 19th, 2000 of heart disease at age 85. 
According to her wishes, she was cremated and her son, Anthony Loder, spread her ashes in Austria's Vienna woods. Hmm. But yeah, there's a lot of people who they just saw her as a, they just saw her as a body and just a, like, they didn't give her a lot of speaking roles. It was just a lot of sensual roles where she would build up a man. And there was like this big brain behind all of this that was going on. And it just sucks that that's where they put placed her in Hollywood, which most all, I want to say all women back then were placed in that same role. Yeah, I mean, even now, a lot of them are still, but so she was married and divorced six times. Six times. Goodness gracious. (laughs) I had to look it up because I was just like, glad you did, because I I meant to. And I'm like, there's a lot of last names in here. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And a lot of the documentaries didn't say, like, they just said her names and they never said, like, divorced, married, divorced. (laughs) Yeah. Probably because it just wasn't like, maybe it wasn't such a big part of her life yeah. either so then they just didn't focus on it but yeah it's it's interesting like there's so I mean just the sheer amount of women with like brainy brains who were not able to express themselves and who maybe could play the role of masking up to be like the woman that people expect women to be right and then she kind of went yeah I'm gonna do that but I'm going to be a mad scientist too. Like (laughs) exactly. And she loved playing with chemicals and stuff too. She never did anything with it as far as inventing, but she liked um, like mixing different things, seeing how they worked, um, taking things apart and putting them back together. And she just really liked, which yeah, again, ADHD. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And it was interesting to me looking over the, like patents and the companies that she made that she had to have a man with her to do it. Like she was, she was the one doing most of it. And yes, she was consulting like the piano stuff and like having a pianist with you does, does help with that. But, um, but that she had, she couldn't do it on her own. She had to have a man help her. Yeah. And again like we see this over and over again in history like the women were the ones with the ideas and everything but they couldn't get them out and couldn't express them without a man backing them up right (sighs) just dumb and like we would have we would be so much further in society if (laughs) yeah for every every woman that we hear about that did something that has ideas that a man backed her there are probably countless more where the men just took the ideas and then even more where the ideas just never got came to fruition at all. You know, I yeah. mean, it just it's like if you think about it, it's just sort of mind boggling because like this one woman represents, you know, probably thousands upon thousands upon thousands of women who never got the opportunity to have somebody like represent them so that they could act on what their brainy brains wanted them to do, you know. Exactly. That was what I was thinking the whole time was how many women didn't have the funding, didn't have because she was funding all of that. She hired this guy. She was funding. She was hiring people like it even said, like, she's the one who hired that other guy to come in and help with the patents and the lawyers and everything. Um, Yeah. But how many women didn't have access to that and were controlled by the men in their lives whether it's their fathers or their husbands or society in general and they wouldn't back up what these women were doing yeah and 
it was seen as like the man was weak if the woman was strong <laughs> right and then how many how many inventions or patents or whatever exists that a woman created but we'll literally never know that that was the case because a man stole it or whatever she wouldn't be taken seriously if it was in her name or there's even some that i've been looking up that it's a man's name on there but the man doesn't exist it was actually a woman who used a man's name which the one i was going to do today um decided to remain nameless so that people wouldn't know um who it was they wouldn't know it was a woman yeah so that's next week's yeah (laughs) If and I actually and for, do that one. <laughs> and for people who are like, but it's so much better now. It's better now. It's not so much so better much. now. Women are still like treated differently and treated as less than and that, you know, and stuff when they go in, go into the sciences. And mm-hmm. as a matter of fact, like there have been like um, studies looking into like now that they have like um, the STEM sciences and then there's. There's basically any science that has been more or area of study that has been more open and more accepting to having like women come into it. Um, the the perception of that science is has changed from being a hard science to a soft science. And so it's not taken as seriously or respected as much as it was before women were allowed in. Like mm-hmm. oh, so yeah. much better. <laughs> I was I was just watching something on stem cell research that was basically about that how when women got their hands on it and were like okay we're going to run with this because this is huge then all of a sudden it was squashed and became illegal and like you couldn't even do stem cells from not fetal like it's not even from they can get it from not even fetal um cells anymore and mm-hmm. it became illegal to even get it from other cells from your own cells <laughs> yeah and it was as soon as women started getting involved um, more heavily, because I think women actually were the ones who in, or discovered that. And I don't know. Then men started running with it, and then women, for it came into the, um, women scientists came into the scene, and then all of a sudden they're like, "This is barbaric." <laughs> yeah, it's like computer programming was just like this behind the scenes thing that wasn't like really that well valued and as soon as they decided Mm -hmm. you know like men started doing it and women weren't doing it then suddenly it was like this thing that everybody's going to be overpaid for and you know Mm -hmm. it's just then it got oversaturated and now no one does it (laughs) yeah well now everybody does it but it's not it's It's not not the same anymore it's the colleges are pumping out like hamsters for the hamster wheels basically graphic design was the same too and um marketing uh digital marketing and it just i hate it yeah (laughs) and art yeah the the culture in tech like especially the tech scene just like it's not that there were issues with it before but at least you had like the creatives and the people that were and then when it became like where anybody anybody that just kind of wanted to get the money like started showing up mm-hmm. it's like they weren't real nerds they don't want to be nerds and the culture just became so toxic like you know just toxic for everybody not just like no. the people that were having issues getting in you know 
Yeah, it's toxic for the consumer as well. It's it's terrible. And yeah, I agree, Lee. <laughs> Grr. Uh, yeah it's i was just talking about that with someone else too about different uh fields and how they like ebb and flow with like how saturated they are or how needed they are too but i didn't i didn't put it together with feminine uh energy in those fields but it makes sense yeah well some jobs like are really important and they just don't get paid much like food safety Mm -hmm. really important they get paid jack shit but then like oh i'm gonna work at a company that deals with like um streaming uh distractions for everybody <laughs> netflix and they're gonna get paid like for 500k a year right and their job is not actually important it doesn't really do anything right yeah. and it's not it's not to say that people don't deserve like to be paid for what their skill set or whatever but they're paid such an excessive amount in comparison to somebody who say make sure that we can eat our food without shitting ourselves to death so or i was gonna go for a job here that needs my degree well not my degree but a degree it needs um experience in the field it's being an advocate for domestic violence and sexual assault survivors 15 dollars an hour yeah how 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 are you going to get people that can be passionate about what they do if they're not even getting a living wage right and you want people who are educated you want people what i think is they don't actually want people (laughs) because yeah like how can you afford to pay your student loans on 15 dollars an hour as well as survive right that doesn't make any sense and I, like, I mean, I would love to do that. Yeah, that's exactly why I say that, like, the dis- disability payments are the government's way of doing the bare minimum for a group of people that they would just prefer that we died off. And yeah. that people don't like to hear that, but, like, you know, it's, prove otherwise. Like, And it costs <laughs> them less to do that than it does to put you in an institution. Yeah. And it's like, that's what they used to do. Now they're like, oh, well, we'll have you still live, but like barely. (laughs) Yeah. And also figure it all out on your own. (laughs) Right. Exactly. Just (sighs) my. uh... Oh, gosh. Yeah, I've been trying to get on food stamps since I lost my job and they will not communicate with me. Like I have to figure it out on my own. Is there anything missing? I need to figure that out. Like, I don't know what's missing. No one's answering me. No one's responding to me. Um, And then I'm going to start a job before I even end up getting them. (laughs) Yeah. And then they back pay you. And then it's like more than you need because they back paid you. And then you start a new job. And (laughs) yeah, well, they can like, like if assuming the system works the way it does here if you got approved you could be like this job is only temporary and they can like hold at that point you know hold for you because you just report you just report that income and then they won't give you anything based on that income um but not cancel out the service and then when your income drops again then you would report that but you need them to actually like get you signed up and communicate Uh, with you to get to that point and my son had that issue when he was going through that like he couldn't they would send him like a letter 
for like, um, for the phone call that you're supposed to do and you would get it like after the date or the person mm-hmm. wouldn't call or, you know, it was just complete like chaos. I'm supposed to be signed up for PCA services before my surgery for my hips and she's canceled four appointments now. She no showed to three and I had to call her and reschedule and one she called and rescheduled. And I'm like, I'm supposed to get signed up for this and it takes time. And I'm only have like my appointment now is in two and a half weeks for my pre-op. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and usually surgery is pretty soon after the pre-op. Um, they'll schedule it that day, but they want to go over different types of surgery I could have depending on which would depend on how much time it is, which would depend on when the surgery is. But right. Um, but I'm going to need help. And they're just like pushing it off and pushing it off. And it takes time to hire somebody that you trust too. (laughs) Yeah. It's interesting because like when I had surgery, my surgeon just went, well, you need someone to stay with you and I won't do your surgery if you don't have that. And I just had to find it. There's no like program or anything like. This is one of, I think, two states that has this program. That's nice that. You, even if they're not being super convenient, it's nice that it's it's there at all. Like, hopefully yeah. they actually get you signed up. But yeah, I can get somebody paid that I know if they're willing to do it, because I do know some like single moms that I would love to be able to pay because I don't need that much help. I just need help to go like take a shower and to get to the bathroom and to like bring meals up to me. <laughs> That's yeah. it. Um I don't want to do much else, <laughs> at least at first. But um, so if I like I have some single mom um, friends that live nearby that I'm going to offer that to um, as long as they can pass the like background check that they do. But that's the other thing. It takes time because I have to do a background check, too. Yeah. <laughs> Which it's a light one. That's just like local criminal history. But um, but yeah, I'm like, is there going to be time? Like. <laughs> And, and like you don't know so then it's really hard not to like be stressing out as you're coming up to the date like you're just like what do I, what do I do what do I do like yeah it'd be really nice to know in advance so you could just relax and take care of yourself and prepare for surgery exactly and I have so many appointments the last two weeks that I didn't even have time to meet with her but she kept canceling anyway so <laughs> um, annoying yeah I try all the days so like last week I had an appointment Tuesday, Wednesday, and Friday. So I was only home Monday. I left Monday night to go up um, for my Tuesday appointment and then stayed up there for my Wednesday appointment. Came back down Thursday. Was supposed to have the appointment. Snow showed. And then had to go back up Friday. And she's like, can I come today? And I'm like, I am literally up and <laughs> yeah. getting doing my stomach emptying test. Um, so then today or tomorrow, I have to call again to reschedule. <laughs> Hopefully I'm just like, can I just come into the office to you? And cause they usually come to your house. Yeah. And I'm like, can I just come to you? It's like two blocks away. <laughs> it's not that far. Just, yeah, I will walk to you <laughs> and yeah. I don't like, like my hips don't work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You shouldn't be in that position or put into that position, but yeah. If you, if the- you got to do it to make it work, then Yeah. And she's supposed to be helping me with the food stamp stuff, too. And her putting this off is putting off me getting the food stamp stuff to her. And she's supposed to 
get me her email address and she hasn't done that like (sighs) government systems but i know she's underpaid too so (laughs) yeah underpaid and probably overworked and probably she's probably looking going well i have time so i'm gonna go focus on this emergency that just got dumped in my lap and there's probably like a there's probably a reason but it doesn't really change the impact for you you know yeah yeah and I I don't want to complain about her because I know that that's probably what it is and I don't want her getting in trouble because they put too much on her but they also need to figure it out (laughs) right like do the job do the thing just do it (laughs) I love it like Casper's back there just all like yeah when I saw him I don't know what he was for. Like, was he on top of a lamp? I don't know. <laughs> but I saw he was a dollar, so I had to get him. I wonder, there was like, um, it kind of makes me think of like the slushy tops. That it, it doesn't have a space for a straw. Otherwise, I would be like, maybe it's a slushy top. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I'm going to look up different Casper things. Yeah. <laughs> but he's like an old school Casper, so... Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, it was at a so there we had a vintage rummage sale. Um, it was a dollar to get into, and everything went to support Habitat for Humanity, nice. which does a lot of work here. And so I I went, and there wasn't a lot. Oh, I did get this though. <laughs> Not show my butt. Maybe <laughs> I can move yeah, my that, body. Yeah, that 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 takes cheddar. That takes a cheddar. Ah, there we go. Oh, my laptop. <laughs> okay. So these people were awesome. It wasn't the actual artist that was there, but I met the artist at one of the craft fairs that I did where I was selling my shirts. Um, but she makes jewelry. And it there was really one that I wanted, but it was really, it, she had a big discount to get four. So, <laughs> so I got the non-binary gang. Oh, Aw. You see it? Um, yeah. These were the ones I wanted, though. They were like little crime scenes. <laughs> <laughs> Those are cute. Um, and then, I don't know if you'll be able to see these ones. They're little ghosts. Aw. And they're all like waving. Yeah. And then, oh, bury the hatchet. <laughs> um, but I wanted the crime scene ones, and I was gonna, I'm gonna wear them for my next uh, video that I do. Awesome. But my next true crime one, though. Yeah. Um, but yeah, she's only on. So if you, she's only on Facebook, and it's Jewels Unique Gems. Um, she does not have an Etsy shop. It's probably smart. Although I tried to get, I, I have my stuff on Facebook, but it's like, just not, I don't have it. Like it's basically like hooked to my shop. So you, so it points to the Etsy instead of like, cause I was just like, I can't have like multiple shops and try to balance like my, my, how much I have of things and, you know, so I think she doesn't even do it like a shop. I think she does it like cash app and then she'll send it to you. Yeah. I'm starting to migrate to that, like where I'm like, 
where I post, I go, you can find it on my Etsy, but it's just $18 if you go direct, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's hard because everyone takes like the payment place takes money. The (laughs) shop takes money. And it's just a bunch of like, you end up making such so little if you go through, through Etsy, but I thought like doing it via Etsy would help because it would bring it. It's like having a store at a mall. It brings people through, right? Where mm-hmm. I originally did the shop on my website and it didn't cost quite as much, but the ship every time the shipping would be wrong and it would cost me money where I would end up paying for it. Um, plus I was not able to drive like people there. So I was like, maybe I'll try to grow. And then as I grow, then I can migrate away from Etsy um, and now I'm just thinking I'm going to do stuff in person and offer stuff online and I'll just, you know, um, I'll probably still do Etsy for a while, but the idea will be eventually to move away from that. Um, yeah, just because they take, they do take like a lot and the prices are so competitive because of the mass, the mass producers that they allow on there and stuff. I don't understand that. It's, it used to be that you had to make it yourself. Like, yeah, I'm glad that I can have my merch on there. I'm very clear that I don't make it. I did design it, but I don't make it. Um, but I did just find somebody who can print my merch um, that's local. So I can get like little knickknacks and stuff that I want to do for pebbling for Patreon. Yeah. And so she's working with me to get my stuff. Um, she has like all the equipment to um, print. And she has like the screen printing. She has the embroidery machine. She has everything. And so she wants to, I was like, I will promote you. <laughs> You're local to me. So I can just pick it up from you. There's no shipping and yeah. um, can mail it out to my people. And I will promote you because um like her work is is decent and is good and i awesome. yeah i met her at a craft fair too yeah i don't uh, feel like i would yeah. have that luck in this area like running into people that i could do like a get kind of a little bit of a promotion relationship mm-hmm. going yeah and it yeah I'll, I'll show you her work when she starts doing it but she does like pillowcases and all sorts of things. And I'm like, ah, that'd be so cool. Just to send like the pillowcase, like you have your own pillow. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's cheaper. Uh, yeah. The fluff but- inside the pillow is more expensive than the pillow. Right. I like, I thought about like, like sending mugs or whatever to my patrons, but like the cost through the printing place, it's just too much. Like with shipping and everything, I can't really justify that. for each one. And so I'm yeah. like, why, if I'm buying like 15 of them, are you charging me shipping on each one? Right, exactly. It's just not, it's, you know, I'm like, if people want to pay to buy them, cool, but I need to figure something else out because it's just not, it's not worth it yeah. to me. But I did think about, because you can get the um, ink, like infused ink that you can get for the mugs and you can get your label printed on it and then you can put it yourself on mugs. So yeah. I thought about that. Um, so like Crycut Cricket. Yeah, Crycut has those. Yeah. <laughs> I've thought about that too, but like, I just, I don't, I haven't used the infused ink yet. So I don't fully understand like how, how does it work for 
like complex stuff. Like I've been, I've watched a couple of videos mm -hmm. and my brain is just struggling to fully get the, get the concept down. So I think I'm not seeing the right explanation to make it click for me. I have some, I have not used it yet. So when I do use it, maybe I'll video call you and can see yeah. how it works. Yeah. Um, I got it for shirts. I don't have it. I, I don't have the mug press. I really want one. I want the hat press too. Yeah. But, um, but I want to do the infused ink shirts because it stays a lot better than the vinyl. That's what Which, I read. By the way, the... Sorry, wash vinyl shirts inside out or hand wash them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I do inside out on cold and then I hang dry. Mm hmm. Cause it'll come off. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, I did get some infusible ink, like they're just, just like basic whatever. So that I could like cut out to put on shirts or whatever, but that's different than like doing like a complex art. And that's like the complex art you get the ink for your printer and then print on special paper, right? Is that mm -hmm. like how that works? And then you use the heat to put it on the mug. Yeah. But I was thinking of just ordering. So I would have someone else print it that has a better printer than I do. And they would print it on with the ink that can be infused and then just having them and then printing them myself. Um, not printing, I'm sorry infusing them myself because I don't sense. trust my printer <laughs> yeah I have a very fancy printer that um my ex got for me as like an investment to my business stuff so I could in theory use it for that I think if if they have like you know but I'm not I don't know that because I have like tank like tanks I don't you can't just like mm -hmm. you know it's not the same as like the ones that just have the cartridges that you can change out so I don't like I might have to commit to doing mm -hmm. a whole bunch of infusible stuff, use it all up and then switch again. I don't, I'll have to look into it and yeah, see. Yeah, I'm not sure. Um, I have a printing company that I've invested in that I may talk to them about that I used to work for. So I may talk to them about it and see how much they would charge because usually they just charge me the cost of the product. So I yeah. can see if um, what they would charge Hi, Dan. <laughs> I doubt that he watches this, but um, we will promote your business if you help us. <laughs> right. I, I will happily link on every single post of my, my mm -hmm. uh, very small, currently small, but growing viewer listening ship. Yeah. Listening ships. I'm wearing oh, one of my oh, necklaces, okay. but it's hard to, it's hard to see it. With the, I meant to put mine on. The chain with a little shape. Very small and elegant. Cute. I like that. Is that on your shop? Yep. Awesome. Yep. I like this. I have simple. like, and I have like triangle and I have square and circle. I have all three of those. And then I have like earrings. And because I like very, like most of my stuff is very simple because I like that. Even like my actually autistic sticker is very simple. It's just black and white. And, mm -hmm. you know, some people like really colorful and that's totally cool. But I, I'm like, eh, for the people that like the understated, they can, they can come to me for my stuff. Yay. <laughs> it's still my favorite. <laughs> they take so long to make like oh they do and, yeah like well because like 
Okay, so half of them fail when I take the thing off. It like will come out all like misshapen and it doesn't let go. The just there's like a couple spots that are really small. And even though I use WD 40 and stuff, it doesn't let go very well. So like half of them I have to redo. And then um and then I paint, I use the color of the clay that's close to the color of the paint, then I paint it, and then I have to paint the white and it, you know, and I do three layers of it and then I have to um seal it with a glaze that I do like two layers of that and it's like being super careful and so the lines are relatively clean they're not perfect but I like that yeah. they're not perfect actually <laughs> I think it's adorable you guys should all buy them even though I just heard that it's a lot of work <laughs> <laughs> well yeah you should definitely buy them because it was a lot of work so you know but I, I only charge like 18 bucks for it yeah it was a lot of work so they're yeah, eighteen dollars for a necklace is nothing, and they're so cute. I want every color. So if you guys want to <laughs> order me more necklaces from Lee Shop, and when I have, and when I run out of the ones I have now, I once I've moved, I'll make more, and then I'm gonna make add an option for people to select their color. So they so I'll just make it mm-hmm. when they order it. When they order, yeah, that yeah. makes sense. So and I don't Lee knows my address. Things. Yep. So you can just yep. write Lee on Instagram or wherever or comment yep. on TikTok or <laughs> let <shop>. her know. <laughs> yeah. Shop at leee.com, L-E-I-G-H-E.com. I have a dedicated email address. Perfect. <laughs> email Lee at Lee. <laughs> <laughs> and... Uh, Tell her that I, I want more colors and then Lee knows my address already. So you don't even have to know that. And then <laughs> Lee will send them to me. <laughs> so if you don't want to donate directly to GoFundMe, you can order things from Lee's shop for me. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I am big, big about the trade. Yeah. Or yourself. You could totally buy <laughs> stuff for yourself. I and mean, we're not going to stop you from doing that. I mean, gosh, you deserve it. <laughs> you do deserve it. You deserve a dinosaur. That's right. That really good decision you made the other day for yourself about mm-hmm. the thing, you deserve it. Yeah. When you got the medium coffee instead of a large, <laughs> that made you deserve a necklace. That's right. <laughs> when you made sure you had a little bit of fiber in that meal last Sunday. Like, mm-hmm. When you it. made a meal at home instead of going out. Necklace. Yeah, that paid for that paid for necklace right there. <laughs> <laughs> what else did you do? You uh, you watched a movie at home instead of going to the movie theater. That's two necklaces, right? right? <laughs> you remembered to text like that person that you've been forgetting to text for like the last three months because you think of it every time you're in the shower, and you finally remembered. You deserve it, even if you just did that right now when Lee said it. You yep, deserve that's right. it. <laughs> See, make yourself deserve it right now. <laughs> you brush your teeth on a regular basis. Deserve it. <laughs> I've been trying. My teeth don't look like I brush them, but I actually have, I have such good dental hygiene that they, when I go to the dentist, they complain that I don't leave anything for them to do. So. <laughs> I love that. I have such deep crevices in my teeth that. My previous dentist told me that I'm too old for sealant. And then my new dentist is like, that's bull. 
They just yeah, wanted you bowl. to get cavities so that they don't have to pay money. So they put sealant in my teeth last time. Yeah. the I go to the dental school at UCSF and they always do the sealant. Like, it's just like, they're like, we're going to do that. And it's great because like I have thin enamel from the EDS and mm-hmm. that like helps a lot. And then most of my gums are pretty good, but I have like one deep pocket and I use a um a uh, water pick, which is like do you my- like it's, the water pick? Yeah, I had to get used to it, but I do love it. And the nice thing about it is because one of the ways that my mast cell stuff impacts me is that my gums will react to chemicals in the food, like preservatives and stuff. My gums will swell up. So if I realize I've had contact and the pain, it's excruciating. Um, Mm -hmm. I can go use the dental pick uh, or the water pick and rinse out really, really well. And boom, the pain will go away after like 10 minutes, which is like great. Yeah, because I get really sensitive. I've noticed since the gastroparesis stuff, I get really sensitive around my gum line. Um, So like when I'm flossing, it'll like zap me almost. And it would get like that before when I'd have mini flare-ups. But now that it's been like a really long flare-up, it's like that all the time. And even if I'd like touch with my fingernail, like zaps me just touching near my gum line. Your nerves on your teeth are probably starting to, cause your gums are, but the, um, the water pick can help with that. And you can use like warm water, which is much more comfortable if your gum, if your nerves are sensitive and mm-hmm. that it'll help. It's really good for, um, gum, gum health. I have a so. water pick I've never used, so I'm <laughs> going to start using it now. <laughs> yeah. And I do, I don't, I, so I don't floss daily because I use the water pick and um they say that you don't need to but I still like once or twice a week I still do it just in case but I don't have like I've never been to the dentist and had them be like you don't floss they're always like it's really clear you floss and so the water is obviously doing its job yeah um and it helped because the one deep pocket I have I had like super hypersensitivity and it's helped with that like a lot um and yeah it's it's just a little messy like because of water and Mm -hmm. and it's like you have to if if it freaks you out when the water runs down your arm then you have to be really good about keeping your arm up when you use it so I sit like I sit with my elbows kind of like against the the sink and do this weird like posture to keep the water from running down my arms oh I could like (laughs) squat on my squatty potty yeah (laughs) (laughs) totally I love my squatty potty I think I feel like all bathrooms should have one. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I love going to the GI department at Stanford because they all have one. Good. Right? Like we should be taught that that's how we like I did not know until Logan was going. My oldest son, who will be 16 tomorrow, was going through his um, GI problems that that's how you should be going to the bathroom. Yep. Yep. And that's why a I, lot of people have GI problems and get constipated because you're not in the pro- proper position to poop. Yep. And people will think, well, I poop regularly. I'm not constipated. Well, you're probably not pooping enough. And so you are mm-hmm. actually constipated and it causes like bloating and nausea and these symptoms that like if you just pooped a little more and like, yeah, it, I got, um, I got really into this whole squatting thing after going to Southeast Asia in 2006. And at that time, squatty potty didn't exist. So like I just used stuff to create the squat and Mm -hmm. then the squatty potty came out 
And I already had it before that amazing commercial came out. Like I had had it for like two years and was already telling people about it. And then the commercial came out that the people who made the commercial almost got fired when the board saw it because they were so like, oh my God, but it went viral. People loved it. And, um, and it's this, and if you guys haven't seen it, like look it up. It's, it's a unicorn going poop and soft serve ice cream. Yeah. Like (laughs) it's, it's great. But so then I just became like a unofficial spokesperson for squatty potty. (laughs) And, uh, because I was like, people were like, what the hell is that? And I'm like, it works. Let me tell you. And I've gotten like a lot of people like where they're like, I can't go without it now. (laughs) Oh, it's so blurry. (laughs) Yeah. It was like the aftermath of the, um, was the Old Spice guy, right? It has that same yeah, vibe yeah. as the Old Spice. Oh, that's funny. So you can find so it better. Good. You don't get good commercials like that anymore. <laughs> I love it. Oh, I like the poopery ones are good too. That's true. That's true. And there was one other one that was bathroom related that was also really good. Um, I do not like the IBS one with the toilet following the person around. Oh, I haven't seen that one. Yeah, it's just like a person walking around the toilet's just right behind them while they're walking around. All the time. That's creepy. <laughs> but, but it's not funny. Like it's not even meant to be funny. But if they if they added a little humor, it would have been. <laughs> yeah, they, we mi- need they humor missed the in opportunity. Our bowel <laughs> yeah, all potty related things are humorous, and if you don't add humor, you don't understand. The yeah, I so the poop the poopery like um. I got their hand sanitizer at the beginning of COVID. They had like a, like pay this much and get like a whole bunch of it. So I'm still going through that. I just keep a, a bottle of it in my, in my bag. And if I'm out and about and I touch something that makes me feel uncomfortable, I'm just like spritz, spritz, spritz. And it smells nice and it kills whatever's on my hands. Yeah. I have to bring, so in my bag, I usually have my own soap and my own hand sanitizer because I'm allergic to most soaps in bathrooms. Mm-hmm. So my kids will get mad at me like, you didn't wash your hands. I'm like, I'm using my hand sanitizer right now because I already know from the smell that I'm allergic to that soap. <laughs> yep. Yep. I got that. I get that too. And the um, sometimes I just suffer with it, but like, I just try not to go and I try to wait till I get home whenever I can to go to the bathroom and stuff. And like, I try not to eat out in public. So I don't have to, you know, and then I just don't touch my hands I remember my face, my hands do not go to my face when I'm out in public until I can wash my hands thoroughly. But yeah, Yeah. like um, the, um, I discovered that a lot of hand sanitizers are too strong for me uh, because I went to Ikea and I used theirs and then promptly had GI issues because I think the EDS, you know, makes us more um, absorbent of like chemicals Mm -hmm. on our skin. And uh, yeah, that was that was not fun. Like getting like, I had those issues. Spasms. So when COVID first became big here, um, when we first start, took it seriously, <laughs> I was still managing the bank and we touched a lot of money and we come in contact with people. So we had so much hand sanitizer. And so each of us had like these giant things and they were sent to us from, uh, I think it was from Svedka 
sent us uh they were in vodka bottles uh-huh. like the like handles yeah uh, and they made hand sanitizer and it did smell like vodka <laughs> but um it was probably the best one that i used because i think it was just vodka basically that i was putting in my hands but i was getting drunk from it like wow. i felt drunk by the end of the day from all the hand sanitizer <laughs> crazy and no one else at work was getting like that they're like are you drinking it i'm like no i'm just using it <laughs> yeah. i don't feel like i can drive home <laughs> yeah I, i've run into weird issues with like topical medications and stuff like that because i get because they put in a certain amount with the idea that the skin is not going to absorb all of it right mm-hmm. and then my skin's just like <laughs> You know, or like if I get lidocaine, it never stays in the area. It always goes like everywhere. And they have yeah. to use so much lidocaine on me for it to work. Yeah. And I know and that then, that's And then partially... it wears off really fast. Yeah. So, And I know that that's partly the autism and partly the EDS. So when I had an ingrown toenail removed, <laughs> they had to inject me so many times and I was just I kept telling them like just do it because it's not gonna work like just do it yeah yeah I have had so much dental work unnumbed I even had a root canal unnumbed because of it and yeah like when I had the toe done they did like it was like six injections and I the toe injections they hurt so much and I was just they like do. can you just do it like you're 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 torturing me you know, and they did eventually get it kind of numb, but it wasn't fully numb. Yeah. And and when they did my, I when I had the toe surgery where they go in and remove the side of the toe where the and and the toenail, they um they did a nerve block, and they're like, oh, the nerve block will last, you know, six to eight hours, and. I was woken up and on my way home within two hours of the surgery. And it was pretty much worn off by the time I got home. I didn't even make it in the, like, so my feet were down and they were swelling up and I could feel them. And I was like, well, there goes that nerve block. <laughs> yeah. The, they did a nerve block for two of, or three of my surgeries, two of them, it wore off really, really fast. Luckily, my gallbladder one, it did last for quite a while. Not as long as they said it would, but it was a lot longer than the other ones. But I could feel when it wore off. <laughs> that's for yeah. sure. I'm like, oh, that's uh, the thing I'm feeling. I was like, this doesn't feel too bad. I'm I'm fine. Right after <laughs> surgery. And then it was like midnight. Um, no, it wasn't midnight. I was just sleeping. <laughs> I think it was noon, actually. <laughs> midnight to me noon night (laughs) noon night um I like woke up and I'm like oh my god nope not okay (laughs) yeah I can feel all the gas pain and everything after my hysterectomy they did give me a nerve block that was a constant nerve block so it's on on 30 minutes off 30 minutes that was like they put it into my back and then like alternated and like it like kind of helped but not like when I touched the area, it was a little numb, but I think it really only helped the incision size. What I feel like Mm -hmm. is like the least problematic thing after a hysterectomy when they've removed like your cervix and, and plus the air, like the air was like the worst worst. of it all. The gas pain is. (sighs) It was, yeah, it was just like an agony. And I was like, you are not giving me enough drugs. I'm in so, it felt like somebody had taken a hook attached to a chain and it was like pulling up into my shoulder. Yes, it was yes. just 
and it's it was this side for me and it was just like I it, you could not get relief like I yeah <laughs> I was like icing and heat packs icing and heat packs and they were giving me gas x and like like nothing and it lasted like six days I was just like dude mm-hmm. ooh, and, like yeah they told me 24 to 48 hours yeah, I looked I it like, up online and it was a week. They were like, it takes up to a week. And it took me up to like a week. Yeah, yeah. It took a week for, so for my, I think it was longer when I got my fallopian tubes removed. That was like a full week with my gallbladder. I think it was like five days, but it is, oh, that's a pain that I'm glad yeah. I'm not going to have with my hip surgery. Yeah. No, dude, like I've never, that's my hysterectomy is the only time I've had like the internal stuff and it is such a different experience. Like, cause my, um, all of my, like my hip surgery, I've had wrist surgery multiple times and like, I don't even need to take drugs after like the medications, the pain meds. I don't take anything. I, I take Tylenol and I use ice packs. I never, mm-hmm. they get, they're like, here's some Vicodin. I never even opened it. You know, like yeah. I returned, I returned it back to the pharmacy, like after I was healed up. Cause I didn't need it. It just didn't, it did not hurt as much as the pain that made me go get the surgery. Mm-hmm. I was just tired and I slept a lot and that was it. But the when they went in to remove body parts from me, that was a whole other kind of like, you know, and they were giving me the pain meds. And the reason why they kept me extra is because my, um, I've never had pain meds work on me, which is part of the reason why I don't, I end up not taking them. Um, and so they were trying to figure out how to manage my pain, but they were giving me such small doses and then waiting to see what happened. And then the nighttime nurse came in and she's like, wait, so you're here because of pain blah, blah, blah. And they, and they haven't given you more meds to see what would happen. And I'm like, no. And she's like, they're giving you almost nothing. So I was like Mm -hmm. in agony for like eight hours for like, like I was wreathing in pain and, you know, um, she was like, well, let's just double, double up the dose. That's like, that's not even as much as we give some people and see what happens. And that was, that got me to a six. And I was like, I can live at a six. Yeah. Like, with chronic you pain, know? you know how to live with a six. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I can, I'm not breathing anymore. I can, I can do that. And they're like, you know, they say things like, if you have breakthrough pain, let us know. And I'm like, breakthrough pain implies no pain. Do, do yeah. these meds work on people where they have no pain? Because, um, that's, that's what I have to tell me. them like because I can't take oral me- like pain medication it doesn't work it just makes me sick and I can do it in my IV that's fine um, which I'm thankful for because I don't want to be addicted to anything and with me having chronic pain and having it start before the opioid epidemic I probably yeah. would have gotten on to something if it was helping um, but I'm thankful that when I'm in the hospital, I can get help and I can get pain medication. But gosh, once I get home, I can't. Like Tylenol yeah. is the strongest I can take. Um, and that barely does anything. So Yeah. I like I took NSAIDs after the hysterectomy, even though um the mast cells really don't like them. But mm-hmm. I just was like, you know what? I'll take these just during the height of the inflammation post-surgery, because that's when the pain is going to be the worst. And I'll just suffer with the side effects um, of it. But, you know, um, that was, that was it. Like I, yeah, it was just, meh. Yeah. 
I wish they could have sent me home with like a pain pump or something. That would have been nice. But I had a friend who had knee surgery and they did. They She had a pain pump at home that was for the first four days. That's nice to have. Um, I hope I don't need it for my hip surgery. I've heard it's not the most painful, especially if you're used to pain. Yeah. my So for mine, the most painful part, and they might tell you this um, just because you have a similar kind of damage that I did, um, mm-hmm. they pull they pull your leg out like of basically almost out of socket to get space mm-hmm. to do the work. And that can cause the muscles, especially in the front above the knee to, um, to be very, very, very angry. Uh, and mine was like that. And they were like, if you're, if your muscles do that, where they spasm, you know, it only lasts like half a day or something, but we can do a nerve block to block that. Mm. And then they told me because I was so calm, even though I was in excruciating pain, they said, oh, we don't need to do the nerve block. It was Oh my God. Was it so much? I was like, dude, like they were giving me stuff in IV and it wasn't touching it. Um, and then they refused to do the nerve block and I was so like frustrated. So they might, they might not explain that to you, but like, my guess is that's probably going to be the worst part of it for you besides just being immobile is, is that first day of the muscles in your legs being yeah. like, what did you do? And they did say they're going to keep me 24 to 48 hours afterwards um, with it being both hips and me having a four hour ride home. <laughs> okay. That's good. That, Cause that's like, yeah, that's awesome yeah. that you're going to get that care. Then they can, so they can take care of you. Hopefully they actually do that. Um, they did offer me for a couple days after that, they have like a Ronald McDonald house that I could stay in. So like a hotel attached to the um, hospital. So if I do need a couple days before I do that long car ride, I can do that. Um, I did think about having, taking the bus out so I could lay in the bed on the way home (laughs) instead of sitting the whole time. But um, one of my cars, the seat goes all the way back, which is nice, all the way to like a bed. Yeah. Um, And then the other one has heated seats. So I'll decide which one. Yeah. I want to take or which direction I want to go with that. But thankfully I have, have a driver and I yeah. mean, you have to, you have to, to have a surgery, yeah. which I don't know what people do who don't know anybody, but um, yeah, um, that's nice. It's, yeah. It's nice. They have like the hotel option too. Like just stuff I've yeah. just never, I've never heard of. Mayo is really good about that. Usually I've only seen that at children's hospitals, but Mayo, because a lot of people travel there to go have procedures that aren't available in their towns. Um, they have a really large, uh, Ronald McDonald house, which is paid for by the hospital. So you don't have to pay anything. Oh, okay. Nice. That's like, call, call me, call me motivated to come like park in your driveway. <laughs> yeah, come come stay with me so that you can go to the Mayo Clinic with me. <laughs> we'll just like show up there, like do all the things and make a day of it. And yeah, I'm, I, I'm really pouring a pad next to my garage. So nice. I don't know if I don't know if you're I don't know if yours would fit there though. Yeah, it's it's slide outs. Yeah, it's it's 30, it's 12 feet wide with the slide outs out. So it's pretty, it's pretty hefty. 30, 37 feet long, 
12 feet wide. It's, it's, it's long enough because my 45 foot school bus fits there. But I need to measure if it's wide enough. Yeah. I think it yeah, would I'd... be because my bus is eight. I think it's eight feet and nine feet. Maybe it's nine feet. And there's room. I don't know how much room. Yeah. <laughs> well, we've been doing this for two and a half hours. Two and a half hours. <laughs> Sorry, guys. <laughs> this is our longest episode I've started... yet. I know I've started I've started like uh, it's because we haven't talked to each other in a while so we kind of we get we get lost in conversation but I've started breaking up my when I do episodes if they hit two hours I've been breaking them up and being like join next week for you know but you see yeah but you make you make enough content that it would be hard to no I think that, that I think I could do that for this one I mean, I'm more ahead on these episodes than I am on my own individual ones. But, oh, that's that's good. Um, I could actually break it up so that it's a Wednesday and a Friday, though. And then I could skip one of my episodes for you guys. It's for you. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, if you want to help me with breaking up the video in half. Yeah, and you guys get to listen to me talk about that. I'll do my I'll do our outro. Yeah. <laughs> our always awkward outro. Woo-hoo. Thank you for joining us on Frightening Frown. Thank you. Thank you, man. Thank you. <laughs> um, I will post how you can get a hold of us if you have any story suggestions, our Patreons, if you want to support us monetarily. I will mention it again. Even the smallest tier is extremely helpful. So do not feel like that is too little we have that tier for a reason and um and i will post the gofundme for lee by the time this posts it will be a few weeks after we recorded or three weeks i think after we recorded this but it'll still be helpful and there's a lot of work and a lot of money lee's already put into this rv and if you didn't hear the story behind it Lee was basically given no time to get out of the house that she thought would be her forever home um, due to unsafe situations with mold and other issues with the house. And the only thing, the most affordable way to go was to live in an RV. And so Lee is redoing the RV herself. Um, There's a couple, she ran into some big things that had to be done by a shop and that's what she's trying to raise the money for. And, um, yeah, so if you can help in any way, even a dollar helps. So do that. Yeah, it all <laughs> it all adds up. Like seriously, like yeah, yeah. There's um, I appreciate yeah. like all support. It's just validating and reassuring and helpful. And same with joining Lee's Patreon. Um, Lee has a two dollar and fifty cent t- tier as well for helping out. Um, every little bit helps ordering jewelry helps everything. Lee doesn't mind doing work for the money. So yeah, if, I'm all yeah. I'm down to trade. <laughs> if you want something for it, Lee does a lot of art as well. Um, and so there's a lot of things that you could, you could get for the money and you feel like you're contributing because it really is contributing to Lee having a safe living situation. So, uh, I will post it 
Um, I think we will break this up into two segments and I will post the GoFundMe in both of them. Um, and yeah, def- and as well as the Etsy shop uh, or your, I'll do your website and, um, and then also the email address so that if you want to order something specific, you can just email Lee. Um, so definitely do that because Lee's awesome. And mm-hmm. yeah, we love you guys and we will see you next time on Frightening Frowin'.